The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Happy Tuesday to you, Daniel. Uh, yeah, happy Tuesday is right. Uh, you know, folks, let me get right into this. Um, I didn't tell Joe what I was going to talk about before, but, you know, you, you, you got you to gotta learn to defend yourself, man. You really do. And yeah. one man. No, I mean, I mean, this Texas thing is, you know, I know we've seen this before, sadly. This is not the first um, attack with a car, a knife, a bomb, a firearm. It's not right. the first homicidal maniac. It's not the first uh, terrorist attack and none of that. We've seen all of this, uh, sadly, tragically before. But, I mean, I, you know, I don't like to get into my jujitsu stuff too much, especially outside of Rough Cuts episodes. This is more of a political show. And, you know, I don't like to talk about it because I... You know, I, don't, I hate that kind of stuff. Like, hey, look, I'm really tough. It's all BS. Everybody, there's always someone who can whoop your ass, yeah. I promise you. Um, I hate it too, Dan. I mean, even laughing about our pain and stuff. I hate that. I yeah, like but it. And the audience doesn't like to hear me whining all the time. But, you know, I woke up this morning. I'm in really, um, really bad pain today. And because I, Saturday, I had a, I took a whooping on Saturday like I haven't taken in a long time. We wrestled. Really? And yeah, we were doing stand-up wrestling, oh, 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 oh. which, you know, for those of you from, you know, wrestling is, I'm not talking about WWF, I'm talking about like wrestling, wrestling, takedowns. And, and yeah. I haven't done wrestling in a while in the jiu-jitsu class. And, you know, wrestling in open space is different than grappling on the mat because it's more dynamic. Because, you know, when you're grappling on the floor, when you're on the fa- ground, ground fighting, that the floor is below you. So Man. you can't move in one direction because there's a floor. You can't move through the floor unless you've developed some shape-shifting abilities. <laughs> in open space, it's different. So we wrestled for about an hour, and then I grappled. And uh, I, I went with this guy who is uh, is a Czech guy in our class. He's a super nice guy, but he's just a savage. He, I'm, I'm telling you folks, he's your worst nightmare. Wow. I mean, I'm serious. Like This is a guy who, it's not that he feels no pain. He feels pain differently than others. He is a an unbelievably skilled stand-up fighter who will knock you out on your feet in a heartbeat. He's an unbelievably skilled wrestler, and he was a guy who previously weighed about 240 pounds, who's now about 190, Ooh. but he is still... You know when people lose a lot of weight, but they still retain that nervous yeah. system strength? Oh, yeah. He is unbelievably strong. Wow. And like I said, he feels almost no pain. I'm bringing this up because I, I like to roll with this guy and grapple with him and wrestle with him because he is your he is your worst-case scenario. He is. He's fought. He's fought in the ring. He's fought against professional UFC fighters. I think he won that fight, as a matter of fact. He didn't fight in the UFC. He fought a guy who fought UFC, and he won. Hmm. Um, he's just a beast. And I'm rolling with him for about a half an hour. This is after the hour of wrestling with him and after the hour of the class I did before that. I was in there for about three hours. <laughs> and at one point... You know, he gets the top position and he's just smashing me. And I, I, I folks, it's the worst thing ever. I'm, I, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I can't breathe. I'm totally out of energy. My shoulders are wrecked right now. They can barely move. I can barely see anymore because the sweat is like burning my eyeballs. And I didn't want to tap out. I couldn't. And if finally he gets me in a, a you know, a, a, an arm, an arm bar and I had to tap or he'd broke my arm. Mm. But, why do you do, why would I do all this? And I was reminded today because I, and this is the, 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 the genesis of this story. I woke up this morning and I'm just, I mean, I'm really a mess. My shoulders are falling apart. I, I can't, I mean, I'm having a tough time even moving around. I went to the gym this morning. I got my workout in and it was really excruciating, but I thought, why do this? And I heard a story about Texas uh, today, this morning, about the, the, this awful shooting in Sutherland Springs. And I was reminded as to why I do this, you know, this animal breaks into the church in body armor and a skeleton mask 
with a a five five six or two two three rifle. He systematically and callously, you know, was murdering and shooting twenty plus people. Mm-hmm. And a mom, did you hear this story? Mm. And a mother jumps on her kids. She takes rounds, but she falls on top of her kids to save their lives. You know, folks, we live in a scary world. Nobody should panic. And, you know, I'm not your priest. I'm not your pastor. I'm certainly not your preacher. But my God, and I'm not using his name in vain, you better learn to defend yourself. We live in a different world full of very sick people, some evil people looking to do very bad things. And these are black swan events that may never, hopefully, likely will never happen to you. Mm-hmm. But they are not zero probability events anymore. You better lo- go and learn how to use a firearm. You better learn how to defend yourself. The government cannot protect you. The police department is not your personal security force. It is your personal responsibility to realize that the world is changing. And as you see societal collapse in some places in the Middle East and you see the growth and explosion in ISIS and 24-hour news motivating some of these people to engage in these, these horrible acts of homicidal rage, what do you think is going to save you? Now, I'm serious. I'm not lecturing anyone. I'm just saying, like, I took a massive beating at 40, soon to be 43 years old on December 4th. I mean a beating like I haven't taken in a long time. I am freaking hurt, man, bad. And I do it because I know that's the worst it's ever going to get. And that God forbid my wife or my kids and me are involved in a situation where we have to go hands-on or I have to shoot someone. I know how to use that gun, and I'm damn well willing to do it. And you need to be too. I saw another story about this shooting. This heroic NRA member who went and got his rifle. Yeah. And engage this guy. I'm sure you heard this, Joe. Oh, yeah. And he was on this morning. He had tears in his eyes. And, you know, I, God bless this man's candor. You know what he said, Joe? Mm. This is a quote. He said, I was scared to death. Yep, he did. I heard it. He was scared to death. He wasn't up there pretending to be freaking He-Man or G.I. Joe. Oh, man, I got out there and I saw it. I got that. So, No, no. He was an honest hero. He didn't even want to be called a hero, which most heroes don't. And he said, I was in a moment of honesty and candor. We should all listen to. He said, I was scared to death because you'll be too. And so will I. I was scared this weekend getting my, uh, really, I was running out of breath. I was tired. And that was in a controlled environment in a jujitsu school where no one's looking to hurt you. In the real world, someone's looking to potentially kill you. There isn't going to be any tapping out. There's only going to be broken arms and you losing consciousness. There are real people out there training in real time to whoop your butt. You have to go out there and prepare. You know, I, I was thinking about this all morning. I've, I really do feel an obligation to tell you that. I mean, I know we live in the greatest country on earth and you all have busy lives and you don't have the time. Folks, there's no excuse. You got to find the time. Go find a jiu-jitsu school, a Krav Maga school. Go buy a firearm. Learn how to use it. I don't, I'm not telling. If you don't want to carry it every day, don't carry it. But gosh, to not have access to one and not even know how to use one is grossly irresponsible. Don't listen to these leftist idiots. I love the cops. I was one. But they are not there to protect you. You are there to protect yourself. Don't assume our functioning society is always going to be there to rescue you from these situations. Because as we've seen tragically over the last few months, they aren't. All right.
I'm mm. sorry, but it, I mean, again, I don't mean that in any way as any type of a lecture. I'm in no position to do that to anyone. I mean it more as a warning mm-hmm. from someone who's read Intel and seen all this stuff. And I think it's only going to get worse as ISIS collapses in the Middle East. They've lost Raqqa. They've lost all their major strongholds, and they've been relegated to the outskirts of towns. The only way to maintain their credibility to raise money and new recruits is going to be to attack at home over and over and over and over again. It isn't going to stop. All right. Um, last night I was on Tucker's show, uh, and I uh, see these guys on Fox now. Stephen Williford's his name, the man who shot the gunman. This guy's amazing. I mean, you know, scared to death. You are going to be scared to death. Can you pull that trigger while you're scared to death? Can you align those sights? Can you hit that target while he's got body armor on? It's a tough question. I have to answer that one too. And I've been training for, you know, gosh, I got on the NYPD when I was in my early 20s. Been shooting for 23 years. And I I don't know if I can honestly answer those questions. Please just go do something. Do something. Learn how to defend yourself and take care of yourself. Let's harden up our entire society one person at a time. All right, so I was on the show last night, and um, the the gist of the show, the appearance show, is why, why, why the left will never win this gun control debate. And I read an amazing, amazing piece. Uh, it will be in the show notes. It is not subscriber only. I still get complaints about that. I'm sorry. But it's a National Review article by uh, Ramesh Panaranu. I usually say his name wrong. I'm sorry. But mm-hmm. he's a really unbelievable author, uh, writer. Um, he does wonderful work. And the piece is, it, it describes in very good detail why the left will never win, win this debate. So as always, I'll take some of it and I'll, I will add on my own thoughts and ideas to it because I think he's on to something here now why the left will always lose on guns folks they're getting smoked on this issue and they keep doubling down and what's what what started as an effort at gun control has turned into a rage-filled effort to insult all americans now joe yeah. the left are attacking people i don't know if you saw this who are actually mm. praying for the victims of sutherland spring oh yeah i've seen it yeah there, there have been actors this guy mike uh, what is it mike mckeon this actor who i had never heard of i don't know if he was uh, i don't know where he comes from but he tweeted out the prayers were shot out of the people in sutherland springs that's, that's real goodness. cute you freaking loser um there are other actors out there thoughts and prayers are you praying isn't enough you know you know what praying is enough because god will always answer prayers and you know what answering prayers doesn't mean to stop to violence it means a prayer for strength it means a prayer for all of us to get through what god has deemed us necessary our struggle now hollywood dopes don't get that and how they think they're going to win an election by the way let me take a breath here how they think they're going to win another election by attacking people patriotic god-fearing americans who pray for the victims of horrible crimes like this and terrorist attacks how they think that's going to win them another election just speaks to the utter lack of moral values these clowns out inside these coastal cities and these democratic major enclaves and cities have they have nothing left these are total moral vacuums now Why they'll never win this debate. As always, I like facts and data and rational, reasonable arguments. Here's number one. Why the left will always lose on gun control. Joe, social media and the 24-hour news cycle has shown people that this threat is very real. Now, Joe's favorite book, I say that laughingly, The Black Swan. Love it. uh, one of my favorite books by Nassim Taleb. They talk he talks about black swan events. In other words, a black swan's a very rare occurrence. Swans are white. Um, but he the book goes into more detail on this. These are black swan events, Joe. We can all agree, right? Yes, Thank they God, are. terrorist attacks and homicidal shooting sprees by maniacs like we saw in Sutherland Springs are rare. The chances of you being caught in one are infinitesimally small. 
We all need to keep that in mind. And, you know, America's we're tough people. We nobody people don't panic here. That's why I hate. Sometimes I've said that on the air and I always regret it afterwards. Like, why are we lecturing Americans not to panic? We never panic. We just don't. We didn't panic after 9-11. We're not going to panic after this. These are black swan events. But as Taleb always points out in his work, it is the consequences of that black swan event that matter. The consequences of you being caught in a black swan event like a homicidal shooting spree from some maniac or a terrorist attack like we saw just recently up in New York with the rented Home Depot van, Joe, are death or serious physical injury you will likely not recover from. These are pretty drastic consequences for low probability events that entirely change the calculus. Now, you can say to yourself, over and over again, you can say, well, you know what? I'm not going to waste a lot of time preparing myself, learning how to fight, learning how to ground fight, learning how to wrestle, learning how to shoot, because the chances of me being caught in this are infinitesimally small. They are. But the consequences for you, again, are termination of your life. There is no coming back ever. For me, that calculation is well worth it. Now, what does this have to do with social media in a 24-hour news cycle? Folks, in the past, if Walter Cronkite did not cover it, if Tom Brokaw didn't cover it, if this if Peter Jennings didn't cover it on the nightly news before cable and before Twitter and Facebook, Joe, did it happen? Nope. Nope. It only happened for the people in those local communities right. where it made the local news. If it did not make the national news, folks, I'm telling you, it happened, but it didn't happen for people outside because the tree fell in the woods and nobody heard it. There were, there were, listen, there have been mass shootings in the past. There have been mass shootings throughout human history. I mean, if, you know, Al, Al Capone and the, the, the mobs wiped out people forever. But if it did not make the national news, Joe, the point I'm trying to make is it did not it impress upon people the gravity of the threat, even though it's limited in scope. They didn't even know it was out there because they never heard about it. Of course, everybody knew they could be a victim of crime. But now, with the advent of social media and 24-hour cable news all of the time, all of these stories, these, these active shooter targeted violence scenarios become national stories like that. And it impresses upon people the idea that this is increasing in occurrence, Joe, even though the statistics don't really say that. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the problem hasn't changed. This is my point here. The recognition of the problem has changed. Mm-hmm. The recognition of the problem is reason number one why the left will never again win the gun control debate. Because now all of a sudden, in the past, and I have some polling data because I love numbers to show you, to make my point here at Hammer at Home, which I'll get to in a second here. But in the past, Joe, the left could make arguments like, oh, you don't need a gun. We need to ban guns. The bad guys have guns. This threat isn't real. This thing, what, what are you going to be involved in some kind of mass shooting? What are you, an idiot? Um... That argument kind of looks pretty stupid now, wouldn't you agree? Mm. Now, 50 years ago, that argument may have held some water because, again, before the advent of national news, you weren't being hammered every day with the evil in men's hearts. Now you're seeing it like that. So all of a sudden, people are out there and they see incidents like this and you see them doing what, Joe? Going out and buying guns. Yeah. Now, the level in gun ownership, to be clear, hasn't really changed that much, but the number of guns per household has because people who are aware of the threat are going out there and saying, well, you know what? I'm going to get another gun. Maybe a gun I can shoot better, more efficiently. And an interesting story today I saw in Washington uh, Secrets, Paul Bedard's mm-hmm. column, which will be at the show notes at Bongino.com, along with the Ramesh uh, Pamanaranu piece at the uh, National Review. They'll, you can join my email list, as always, at Bongino.com. I'll send them right to you. But Bedard uh, says the number of gun checks 
through October of this year is uh, we're hitting like record levels now. So there was this running theory that if Hillary Clinton got elected, you know, gun sales would go through the roof because of her constant threats against the NRA. Mm -hmm. But what we've seen, Joe, is no matter who gets elected, Hillary or Trump, people are still going out and buying guns. So, again, proving my point that the advent of, I think, well, proving, but I think pointing evidence to my point that the advent of 24-hour news is making people more aware of what's going on out there and saying to themselves, I need to defend myself. Reason number two, why the left can't win this argument. They lie to us, and then they lecture us. First, they lie to us, Joe, by saying things like, we're not trying to take your guns. You don't believe me? Go to my Twitter account, where I was yeah. tweeting about the Second Amendment yesterday, and of course, of course, a bunch of crazy Looney Tunes lefties responded back, no one's trying to take your guns, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> by the way, thank you to everyone, including... Uh, 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 Eddie, who uh, sent me that that giphy from, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it ain't cool being no jive turkey. He sent me a giphy on that, which is really, really funny. So thank you for doing that. But they lie to us. They say all the time, you know, they tweet me back. They go, we're not trying to confiscate and take your guns. So why do you keep citing Australia? Folks, what you're citing in Australia is evidence of a policy you want to enact was a gun confiscation buyback program, which was a failure, by the way. So, Joe, you see the point I'm trying to make? Why gun control won't work for the left? Because you lie to us and people know you're lying. You'll tweet me in one respect and go, we're not trying to take your guns, you liar. Stop saying that on Fox and Friends. I got tweets, multiple tweets yesterday about that. Mm. While they simultaneously tweet about the success of Australia's confiscation and buyback. Okay, let me get this straight. I'm supposed to trust you in a reasonable debate on the use of firearms in our society in the Second Amendment. While you tell me on one hand, we're not trying to take your guns, but then you tell me on the other hand, we need to emulate a policy that in fact took your guns. Do you get it now why the left can't win? Because you're not honest brokers. You're liars and everybody knows you're liars. We can, Joe. Yeah. (laughs) Note to self. You're on Twitter, right? Yeah. Joe, what are you, Joe Haas one? Yeah. Joe's, I've seen some people tweet him. Can you acknowledge that for me and for everyone out there, this is a fact check moment, not a trick question again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you tweet something, people on Twitter can see it, right? Yeah. It's not an email. No. It's not a private message. No. I don't know if the liberals understand this. So if you tweet five minutes before you tweet me, we need to be more like Australia, which engaged in a gun confiscation program. And then you tweet me two minutes later and say, hey, Dan Bongino, stop lying to people. We're not trying to confiscate <laughs> your guns. That's kind of like a cognitive dissonance kind of moment there. <laughs> People can see that. That's not an email. (laughs) Therefore, nobody trusts you. That's why. No, because you're liars. We're not trying to take your guns, but we're advocating for policies to take your guns. Okay. You know, and then you lecture us from a faux moral high ground. You lecture us and you say, you know, Americans, we need to abandon our love affair with guns. And who's saying this, Joe? (laughs) Hollywood people and politicians who both have one thing in common. Large, large portions of them, especially the wealthiest ones with the biggest mouths, are protected by what? People with guns. Guns, yeah. But, so you, first you lie to us about your intentions. You expect us then to trust you as you expect to win a debate where you're lying. Then you lecture us from a phony moral high ground about giving up our guns or our, quote, love affair with guns while you're protected by people with guns 
And then you're like, you're scratching. This goes to show you, you know, I, 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 and I've acknowledged repeatedly, I think sometimes the Democrats have moments of strategic brilliance. Evil, evil, yeah. horrible policies, but strategically brilliant. Their gaslighting and their use of the media is incredible to lie to people. But this is a moment of unbelievably pure stupidity. Insulting people who pray for the victims in the Texas, uh, uh, the, the Texas homicides. And so, and, and you think that's going to convince people? How is that going to convince anyone? And then you turn around and you try to win a debate on guns while lying and lecturing people from a fake moral high ground. Okay, so point number one. Social media has made everybody aware of the violence around them. They're preparing. Point number two. You cannot lie about your intentions. Lie on social media where people can see it. Lecture Americans, insult Americans, and then lecture them from a fake moral high ground of standards you don't live up to. Give up your guns first. You can't do that and win the debate. Third, ladies and gentlemen, the government can't protect you and everybody knows it. Listen, this is not a knock on government in general. I know I'm a small government conservatarian, but our government does do some things well. We have a pretty good court system. And we have a damn good military, very patriotic men and women. That's our government. Unfortunately, the majority of what government does is total crap. They've pissed away your retirement. They've wasted your tax money. And they've caused you to accumulate you and your kids $20 trillion in debt. We probably will never pay off. But the government cannot protect you. Now, you may say, well, Dan, that's a pretty you know, bold statement. You were a Secret Service agent. Yeah, we weren't there to protect you. And folks, I can't say this enough. Neither are the cops. Yeah. You, you don't believe me? No. I, Call I, the I cops and ask them to sit out in front of your house, Joe. Say you're afraid of getting robbed tonight. They are not going to stand there. It is not that they're not doing their jobs. Their job is not to protect you. Their job is to enforce the law. It is not to protect you individually. Now, you may say, oh, no. What does that have to do with why the left will lose the argument? Because the left's argument, Joe, is precisely that you should forfeit your individual liberty to protect yourself with a firearm under the guise, Joe, that the government is going to pick up the load. Now, if they actually believe that, it would reflect in the polling. Aha, uh-huh, here's the polling, which, by the way, is in Ramesh's piece in National Review, again, in my show notes. In 1959, Joe, when they asked people in public polling about a handgun ban, should you support a handgun ban? Believe it or not, 1959, 60% of people thought they should. Hmm. It's a big number. Yeah. Now, the left has been engaged in an all-out war against the Second Amendment for, gosh, 100 years now, if not more. What are those numbers now in 2017? Well, here are the numbers now. There is 76% against, 23% for. So 60% supported a handgun ban in 1959. Only 23% support that now. You are losing. Now, why are you losing on things like a handgun ban? Because people understand the government cannot protect you. Oh, you doubt me? I have more facts and data because that's what we do. Universal background checks and assault weapons bans. Here's how they poll. People who support universal background checks and assault weapons ban. People support them, Joe. Mm -hmm. A majority of the people who support them and a plurality of people who support these things of, of, of respectively Agree that they'll make no difference when it comes to crime, gun crime. So let me get this straight. You support universal background checks and an assault weapons ban while you simultaneously acknowledge it'll make no difference in gun violence. Do you see how this absolutely supports my premise 
that people understand the government is entirely ineffective on this? Yeah. What you're saying on one hand is, yes, I support the Democrat talking points. Universal background checks, assault weapons ban. Is it going to work? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. Thanks for playing. <laughs> what does that say to you? That says to you that people understand because they don't support a handgun ban anymore. They support these universal background checks and, and some who support an assault weapons ban, but even a plurality of those people agree that it's not going to do anything. Because the government can't protect you. Finally, and this is most important. This is the biggest takeaway as to why the left will continue to get smoked on this gun control debate. Folks, gun control does not animate the left. But it does animate the right. There are people on the right side of the political aisle who are single-issue voters who will absolutely not forfeit their right to protect themselves. Why? For all the reasons I just told you. They know the government can't protect them. They see in a 24-hour news and social media cycle, Joe, that they could be the victim of this. Small chance, but a chance nonetheless, and a chance that results in death if you're involved in it. They understand they've been lied to. They understand they've been lectured. Single-issue voters will vote on the gun control issue, or I should say against it, They'll vote for their own gun rights, Joe. You following where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. But anti-gun people, the gun grabbers, will not vote on that issue for themselves because, precisely because, and this is Ramesh's takeaway in the piece, but it's a good one. The anti-gun crowd understands that everything they're proposing is a steaming pile of horse waste. That was very restrained. Yes, I'm trying. It's a family-friendly show. They get it. They are not going to go and vote on this one issue. I'm not saying it doesn't matter to them, but I'm saying to them, I'm saying to you, and I know this because I ran in a Democrat, largely Democrat leaning district as a big Second Amendment advocate, and it didn't hurt me at all. Right. Because liberals will not vote. They'll vote against you for all kinds of reasons. Taxes, you're a Republican, you support Trump, but they will not generally be animated by a pro-gun candidate because they understand everything they're proposing. Universal background checks, assault weapons ban, handgun bans. They, they understand they don't work. How do I know that? Because they've said it in polls. So they're not going to go out and vote on that issue. They'll vote on something else, Joe, taxes, Obamacare, but Mm -hmm. that's not going to animate them. But on the conservative side, they will go out and vote for a candidate who will passionately defend their right to defend themselves because they want to stay alive and they want to defend their wives and their kids and their moms and their dads. Democrats, you can't win on this. It is asymmetric warfare. It's actually a call to arms for uh, conservatives. It, you're yeah. damn right it is. You're damn right it is. You can't win. Sound like Adrian right now in Rocky Four. <laughs> you can't win, Rock! <laughs> you can't. No, you seriously, you can't win on this. It is ideological asymmetric warfare. On one side, you're suggesting things your own people acknowledge won't work, while the other side, you're asking them to forfeit their right to stay alive in a firearm uh, a fight. What? You will lose. This is a loser. Now, keep it up because this is what you know, this is what I think is wiping you out in large portions of America that used to be Democrat leaning in the culture wars. This is why you can't win a race in West Virginia anymore. Keep it up. I'm not telling you to change your mind. I'm just telling you this for Republicans. Take this as a glimmer of hope. 
Whew, man, that was a long one. That was a, I intended that to be like a 10 minute segment, but it's, <laughs> um, requires a lot to talk about there. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. You know, I'm a huge fan of these guys and it's uh, kind of convenient that we opened up talking about preparedness. Uh, preparedness is my thing. And I'm uh, delaying here as I'm talking because I forgot to pull up the iTarget ad. There's a couple things I got to read in there. You can leave that in, show. It kind of speaks to the authenticity of the <laughs> okay. show. I get so involved in a topic. Sometimes, seriously, folks, sometimes I forget to actually pull off the ads. So I'm like, ah, let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, I talk. <laughs> no, no. Listen, I, I've been getting a, a really tremendous number of emails on this product. It's a great product. I love it. I love having them on board because, guys, ladies, I just got done opening the show telling you have to prepare yourself, right? Let's be honest. Not all of us have the time every single day to get to the range. The range is important. Even the iTarget guys will tell you that. You got to yeah. go to the range once in a while. You have to shoot live rounds. But the reality is competitive shooters, people who do this for a living, have to be on target for a living. Try fire. In other words, pull the trigger on their weapons with no rounds in there to practice sight alignment and trigger control 10 times more than they live fire. Our buddies at iTarget will give you this product. If you, if you go to iTargetPro.com, I'm not going to give it away for free, of course, and I'll give you a discount of 10% using a promo code. I'll give you in a minute. But iTargetPro, the letter I, TargetPro.com, it uses a laser in place of a bullet. I'm going to hurt your gun at all. You drop it in in place of the round. You depress the trigger and it emits a laser onto a target that comes with the target. This is like the coolest product ever. I got guys who can't put this damn thing down. I'm not even kidding, even in my own family, right? It'll, it'll show you where you hit every time. It's like being able to shoot without leaving your home with your own weapon, the convenience of your own home. You can do it all day. One lady told me she burned out the phone app uh, on her phone. <laughs> she lost her battery because she'd been doing it so long. It is a really cool thing. Marksmanship, you have to practice it. Anybody can shoot. The question is, can you can you hit what you shoot? That's what matters. Usually the bad guys can't. They're terrible shots. Ammo's expensive. Range fees are expensive. You can practice this from your own home. Go pick up the product. You're going to love it. Give me your reviews, by the way. Send me the uh, um, an email, daniel at bongino.com. I'd love to hear about it. Go to iTargetPro. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. Check it out today. It will take your dry fire practice to the next level. Watch your marksmanship go through the roof with this stuff. you got to be prepared, folks. iTargetPro.com. Use promo code DAN, D-A-N, my first name, promo code DAN, and you'll save 10%. iTargetPro.com. Okay. Uh, where do we go next? All right. Someone sent me an email about a piece in the Washington Post, which I will reluctantly put in the show notes today because it's written by Bruce Bartlett, who worked in the Reagan administration, but has become a advocate for far left economics. And I don't know Bruce Bartlett, so I don't I don't know what happened to him, but he worked in the Reagan administration and he's used as a mouse a mouthpiece for the left. That was a Freudian slip, a mouthpiece for the left. <laughs> to advocate against tax cuts pretty much all the time. So what you'll see is he's cited by the left often because of his prominence in the Reagan administration, Joe. Obviously, you know, like, I mean, listen, we do it too. I'm kind of the way we used to use Dick Morris a lot to rebut Bill Clinton, who worked in the Clinton administration, because it gives it more bona fides, more credibility. If, oh, look, a Reagan guy saying tax cuts don't work. What they conveniently leave out is the 99.9% of former Reagan administration officials, including Mark Levin, by the way, who will tell you how, Terrific, the Reagan tax cuts worked. You know, Art Laffer and these other people who had worked with Reagan on these tax cuts, they ignore all those for this one guy who I don't know if he's disgruntled or what, but a lot of what he says is just junk. So a listener forwarded me this piece in the Washington Post came out the other day. It's written by Bartlett. Anytime you see this guy's name again, be very skeptical. 
I think he's got some kind of a grudge. But he wrote a piece saying how, listen, tax cuts are crap. And you comparing this tax cut to the Reagan years, the Reagan year tax cuts basically sucked. I mean, I don't know any other way to sum up what he's saying, but I took a few bullet points from the piece I wanted to put out there because I know your liberal friends will find this and use it against you um, at some point. So here's point number one he makes. He goes, listen, aggregate real GDP was higher in the 70s, 37.2, than the 80s, 35.9. In other words, Joe, gosh, Reagan really couldn't be that great. Look, the aggregate GDP growth in the 70s, where Reagan wasn't president, was higher than it was in the 80s. Now, Now, uh, (laughs) if you're a regular listener, you're probably already picking up the scam. I've always warned you (laughs) about using household data and aggregate data. If it's an aggregate GDP figure, one of the first things that should come to mind is, well, when Reagan got into office in 1980, we were still getting out of a deep recession that happened in the Carter years. Not only were coming out of a deep recession, but we had really atrocious inflation as well. So if you factor in aggregate numbers using the entire decade, by the way, um, two of which Reagan was not president, he was president from 1980 to 88. Of course you're going to get skewed numbers. That's a, that doesn't take into account, again, the recession Reagan came into office with. He lost almost two years of his presidency in the recovery effort from the disastrous Jimmy Carter years, right? Hmm. But it doesn't take into account the two years afterwards where George H.W. did not really pursue Reagan-esque policies. Aggregate data is a scam. It's a scam to avoid the effect. Now, if you really wanted to know the effects of the tax cuts, which Bartlett doesn't, he never does. He wants to skew you with tortured statistics. What would you do, Joe? You'd say, well, what was the economy like before the tax cuts? Yeah. And what was the economy like after? Oh, is that hard to figure out? Let's let's tease out the effects of tax cuts. But by doing it, let's not tease it out and let's aggregate the data so it confuses everything. Let's look at the data before tax cuts and after. Reagan cut the tax rate. The economy grew at 6, 5, and 4%. The highest numbers we've had in, what, 30 years? We haven't seen those numbers since. No. Now, again, Bartlett conveniently ignores that. Oh, no, let's use aggregate data. Let's not tease out what happened after the tax cuts. Well, that's just stupid. That's just unscientific, pseudo-tortured statistical garbage, okay? Secondly... Mm. And I'll put the piece in there. Read it yourself. You're going to get PO'd. As you, I hate giving Washington Post the clicks, but you got to know what you're up against because Bartlett, again, he's cited all the time. Secondly, he says, well, you know, the Reagan boom wasn't due to the tax cuts. Remember, keep in mind, but this is funny, Joe. First, he says there was no boom, right? All he right. says, oh, the 80s sucked. The 70s were better, which, by the way, someone should tell people in the 80s that who it was the, 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 the run run 80s, you know? Yeah. The economy was great. Joe and I lived through it. Okay. Yeah, baby. It was damn good. Reagan wanted a massive landslide. So first he says the 80s sucked. Then he, then he talks about the boom. Wait, I thought there was no boom. So now he acknowledges the boom in the subsequent paragraph, which you know seemingly refutes his whole argument. But again, the guy's a leftist now, so let's not confuse the facts with reality. And he says the boom was due to interest rates being lowered, uh, which he's correct. Interest rates were lowered during the course of the Reagan presidency. When he came into office, they were very high as an effort by Paul Volcker to combat rampant inflation in the economy. Interest rates, you know, suck up money from the economy. It's harder to get loans and basically it prevents money, uh, more money from chasing fewer goods, the cause of inflation. Mm. But there's a problem here, Joe. Yeah. Now we're going to use logic. Bartlett seems to be incapable of this. Bartlett's point here. And Joe, you're not an economist, right? So it's not a trick question again, but he's saying lower interest rates were were the cause of the Reagan boom or one of the causes, right? Okay. 
So low, you got that? that take a note on this. Low interest rates. Low interest now, rates. Got it. The interest rates in the Reagan years, interestingly enough, dropped at uh, one of their lowest points to 9% after coming down from around 16 to 19%. Mm. So low interest rates, good, right? Low interest rates, good, yes. You are the audience ombudsman. There's nothing. This is Bartlett's point, right? Let's use caveman language for the liberals. Low interest rate, good. Good. Okay. So lower, the lowest they got in the initial years of the Reagan administration when the boom started were around 9%. What do you think the interest rates were under Obama? Uh, let's say about 1% to 2% the entire time. So let's try caveman logic again for Bartlett. Low interest rates, good. Good. Reagan, 9%. Good. Led to boom. Obama, 2%. That would mean very good, right, Joe? <laughs> Even in caveman logic. Oh, good, yeah. You see, that Joe, is he's, he's got this. Joe has, even Joe, resorting to his Neanderthal state, has figured this out. That 9% is low, 2% must have been awesome. And I'm being generous. They were even lower than that at certain points in the Obama administration. Obama's economy must have been awesome then if oh. low interest rates lead to economic booms. Good. Well, what happened? Obama never reached 3% in any GDP growth in any year of his presidency. After the tax cuts, Reagan doubled that, 6%. Mm. Uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, again, folks, let's not let logic get in the way of far-left ridiculousness. Low interest rates, good, but just not for Obama. (laughs) Okay, makes sense. Uh, Here's another one. He says, well, tax cuts basically sucked. And it was due to the defense buildup and highway construction. So basically, Bartlett's saying, oh, it was government spending. That's what did it. Yeah, oh, yeah, because that always does it. Okay, government spending. Joe, caveman logic again. I'm asking you to revert to your Neanderthal state because liberals really have a tough time with this. They have been vaccinated to facts, okay? No problem. Government spending, good or bad? Oh, good. Good. Yes. Good. He's saying defense, the defense buildup, government spending and, and, and the construction infrastructure projects by the Reagan administration. Good. OK. Yeah. Government spending. Good. Now, the Obama administration comes into office, explodes the federal budget to massive levels, spent up to four trillion dollars and enacts the largest stimulus in U.S. history over a trillion dollars of government spending. Now, Joe, using caveman logic, mm. if government spending is good, mm. is record government spending good? Ooh, 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 good. Yes, yes, it's very, even ooh. caveman Joe gets it. So, what happened under Obama? This is, Bar- I, I, this guy, I, the people cite this guy, I mean, he embarrasses himself in his own piece. He's saying the government spending rescued Reagan, rescued Reagan, but then he fails to cite how Obama's stimulus, which was a, a magnitude larger than the spending under Reagan, at least in that stimulus, failed to rescue the economy from anything. We had the worst recovery post-World War II in American history. I mean, a post-World War II economic history. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, one more, because I, this is just fun. Another one. Yeah, there's a lot more in the piece, but I just picked out, for because it's so stupid, I had to pick out the best uh, of the best, the best of the worst. I'm having fun, thank you. <laughs> yeah. He says, oh, and listen, the Reagan tax cuts didn't do anything because not only was it government spending and interest rate booms. And by the way, let's aggregate the data to confuse everyone. He says, oh, it was just a simple bounce back from a deep recession. Oh, okay, Joe, one Mm. more time. Please put your intellectual side aside. Let's go back to Neanderthal Joe again to make this easy for lips. So here's his point, caveman Joe, right? Uh He says, recession's bad. But Ooh. after recessions, economies bounce back. So mm. post-recession, Joe, 
good. good. You following? Mm-hmm. Bad recession, <laughs> bad. Mm-hmm. Post recession, good. And mm-hmm. he uses the term, and I'm quoting, it's a simple bounce back from recession. Okay, so mm-hmm. Caveman Joe, you're tracking, right? Mm-hmm. So Obama comes into office in an even worse recession. Mm-hmm. Why? Now, Joe, again, Caveman Joe, last question for you. Mm-hmm. If Obama came into uh, office with a recession, bad, right? Bad? Okay. Now, would the post-recession, would that be good or bad? Ooh, good. Yes, good. It would be good. 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 Okay, thank you, K-Man Joe. Here's the problem. It wasn't good. It was huh? the worst recovery from a recession post-World War II in our economic history. Huh? So this guy's logic is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He goes, oh, and by the way, the tax cuts sucked. It was just a simple <laughs> bounce back from a recession. But he fails to mention that we didn't bounce back from the recession post-Obama. I mean... <laughs> <sighs> Folks, it's really so, it's so easy. I mean, you know, I I I went to graduate school. Great, who cares? Gives a damn. I mean, I study. I love economics. I'm passionate about refuting Keynesian stupidity. But it's just like these. Do these guys even read their articles? Does he ever read it and go like, um, this doesn't make any sense at all? Like I write once in a while. For, I don't do as much anymore. But I used to write a lot for Conservative Review. Yeah. And you know, before I submitted something. They, they check it. I mean, they have editors read over it. And a couple of times they've sent me back stuff and said, Dan, can you clarify this? How does the Washington Post run this piece and not say, dude, this really, the whole premise of your piece makes absolutely no sense. It's the dumbest thing ever. All right, I'll put the piece in there, read it, and just, you'll see how dumb it sounds now that you have some background on it. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Hey, thank you for supporting this company. You've been with me from the beginning. I love these guys. They produce one of the best products on the market. Got a really nice email last night about a guy. Uh, he's up in New York. He's a millennial. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he has really long days. He's doing Krav Maga. He's, you know, which is a, an Israeli martial art. He goes to school. He's been doing all this stuff. And he's like, listen, I couldn't get through it without Dawn to Dusk. This is a really terrific product, folks. Dawn to Dusk is an energy product. It's a timed release energy product, though. That's the difference here. Listen, anybody can have a cup of coffee or an energy drink. The problem is two hours later, you're ready to pass out because you get these highs and lows. Who wants that? Really? Who needs that? If you're a working parent, a recreational workout person, a mixed martial arts guy, military, cops, you work in a hospital, pilots, whatever. I get emails from everyone, construction workers, blue collar, white collar, and you have really long days you need to get to. I have to get to a long day. I got an 11 o'clock appearance tonight on Shannon Bream's show on Fox. Dude. Try Dawn. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a really long day. Try Dawn to Dusk. Try it. This is a really good product. You're going to love it. It'll help you get through the days, give you a nice mood elevation, energy level elevation, lasts about 10 hours. You're not going to get these ups and downs, these crashes. It's one of the best energy products out there. I'm always happy to advertise for them. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. And pick up a bottle of Dawn to Dust today. Give it a shot. This will help you get through your days. It's a tough world we live in, but you know now that we've got the technology to get through it with a little bit of assistance and we don't need 6,000 cups of coffee, give it a shot. You'll like it. Send me your reviews, Daniel at Bongino.com. I, you know I'd love it. Uh, it's good stuff, and I'd love to hear from you about it. All right, one final article, because I thought this was really funny. Um, you know, again, I'm always hesitant to bring up Obamacare, but it's just such <laughs> a cornucopia of good stories about dopey liberals. So... You know, Joe, for years, the liberals have been citing CBO estimates about enrollment to show how successful yeah. Obamacare is, despite yeah. the fact that the enrollment was was largely not in Obamacare plans, but Medicaid. Right, right. So they've been saying like, oh, look how successful Obamacare. We have all these people who signed up. They signed up for Medicaid. 
They basically signed up for free health care you're paying for. That's not the marker of success. Anybody could give away free stuff. If I, if I gave you my home address and said, hey, I'm giving away free copies of my book, I'm sure people would show up. Any <laughs> idiot can give away free stuff. That's what Obamacare did. But they have been relying on these CBO estimates forever for enrollment numbers. Now, this is blowing up in their face huge, huge, or hugely. Hmm. Using our, our the new language we've incorporated, I like or what is it? Big league or big, big league? Trump big league. says big league. Yeah, <laughs> it's blowing up big league. I love that that he says that. Why? Because these constant overestimates of the number of people that have enrolled in Obamacare are now being used against them by Republican lawmakers as a vehicle. To be able to enhance the tax cuts. You're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm. This is really a cool story. So the, in other words, let's say they said 100 people were going to, you know, CBO is pretty much wrong about everything. But let's say they said 100 people were going to sign up for Obamacare, Joe, and really Uh only 25 did. The Democrats will cite that 100 figure, even though it's not close to the truth. But now they can't run away from it because what's happening is the Republicans have said, hey, um, I got an idea. How about to save some money, government money in this tax cut plan? In other words, they need to save money to fit in the scoring. Mm-hmm. So they need to say they, they need to cut government spending to be able to cut taxes because of the scoring. Right. And you get what I'm saying, folks? So to give yeah. you a dollar of tax cuts right now, they're trying to find a dollar of, of savings in the budget to give it back to you. So in their efforts to find savings, I think it was Tom Cotton who, who, who dreamed this one up. Well, I'm not sure the senator. I'm not, not positive, but I read it somewhere. This was ingenious. He said, what if we dump the individual mandate? In other words, the legal mandate to buy insurance under Obamacare. Mm. How would that blow up in their face? Because by using the CBO's overinflated numbers of the predictions and the number of people who are going to buy Obamacare, <laughs> if those numbers are accurate, which they're not, but the Demo- what are the Democrats going to say? Now they're going to say all of a sudden, no, Obamacare isn't popular. The CBO has been wrong. <laughs> what would that do, Joe? It would save a fortune because if they dumped the mandate and the CBO said, oh, 100 people next year are going to buy Obamacare because it's so wonderful, even though we know it's not true. Obamacare would cost us Medicaid money because it's, you know, you'd have to pay for these people through Medicaid from the Medicaid expansion. And Joe, even in the individual market, some of those same people would be eligible for taxpayer subsidies. So if the CBO, if we use their overinflated numbers... Now, all of a sudden, we use their own numbers against them. We go, hey, you guys said Obamacare was popular and 100 people are going to sign up. Now, if we dump the individual individual mandate and we don't make people sign up, we're going to use your 100 number against you and look at all that money we save because we don't have to pay for Medicaid and subsidies now. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I sure do. What a... Listen, I'm not a huge fan of the establishmentarian class and I'm not suggesting Cotton is one, but... What a genius move. My point is this, and I'll sum it up here. No mandate means no Medicaid expansion and means no subsidies, which means savings in the federal budget, which means additional tax cuts. And what the hell are the Democrats going to do? What are they going to say, Joe? Oh, no, no, no. Our estimates of how popular Obamacare is, they've been wrong forever. And there's really no savings in there because no one wants to sign up for this crap Obamacare. Therefore, there'll be no savings when you stop people from mandating people from signing up for this crap Obamacare. There's nothing they can say. They're screwed. They're up the creek. Beautiful, beautiful move. So push your legislators to get that individual mandate scrapped in the tax bill. 
and we'll have a lot more room for tax cuts and the Democrats will be left going uh, 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 back to caveman Joe. Uh, uh, what do we do now? They will have nothing to say because you'll have to acknowledge that Obamacare is not popular and people just don't want to sign up. Ah, oh, beautiful stuff. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Please go to my website again, Bongino.com, and give us a show review at iTunes if you don't mind. We're up to like 700 plus reviews. I really appreciate it. I uh, I try to read them all. I got to get through a few more, though. So I appreciate it. Bongino.com, sign up for the show notes. I will see you all tomorrow. Thanks again. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.